Someone's going to do this. Let's let's see if it can be us. And we just kind of took a go at it from there. So that's really where it started was just kind of looking around and saying, we wish this event was one thing and it's not. So let's do something like that. Podcast Junkies, episode 134. Happy 4th. You're, you're definitely hearing this after, but it's actually the 4th of July today. I'm in Los Angeles uh, getting ready to meet up with some friends later on today. But it's nice and uh, quiet. It's it's funny how much the the city sh- shuts down, and I'm sure it's not here. It's all over, but the roads were pretty barren yesterday, and I'm sure today's going to be... Well, today's going to be more of the same or worse if people are waiting to the last minute to head to the beach. And I'm heading over to the west side, so I might run into some of that. So I thought I'd share that with you. Uh, in case you missed last week's episode, we had a really fun conversation with Alana Levine, and Alana is doesn't um, hang in the normal podcasting circles like the conferences where I meet a lot of the guests that you hear on the show. We actually connected via Twitter. We had a really great conversation about how she started the show, who inspired her. Uh, She speaks to some of the most interesting folks uh, on Broadway and in film. And a lot of those connections were established 20, 30 years ago, uh, at least the first guests that she had on. And um, she's just built up this this relationship and this friendship. And then when she started the show, um, she had John Slattery on from Mad Men as one of her first guests, sort of like to test out the this idea. And it went so well that she was convinced that this is something that she wanted to keep doing. She she recently interviewed Cascade, who's an electronic music DJ of all things, and which who I know of because as you, as you regular listeners know, I. I grew up on on music, house music, and DJed electronic music, so I know very well who Cascade is, and apparently uh, her kids took her to the concert, and she fell in love with them, and she ended up interviewing him, so that's still in my queue. I've got to check that out, but uh, we've, we've established a bit of a friendship through Twitter and obviously through the conversation we had, so um, it's interesting and fun and and really rewarding when, when those things happen, and you can trace it all back to podcasting. So this week, we speak to Dan Franks. Dan is one of the co-creators of the Podcast Movement Conference, and it's coming up. It's going to be in August, uh, looking at my calendar, August 23rd in Anaheim. Go to podcastjunkies.com slash podcastmovement, and you'll get uh, 10% off your ticket. So I'd love to see you there. This is going to be my fourth year, if I have that right. Two in Dallas, one in Chicago, and uh, they just keep getting better and better. And it reminds me, I need to get my t-shirts ordered. <laughs> regular regular folks, uh, listeners will also know that I'm big on promoting the show. So I think every year I've got to amp up the number of sh- shirts I order. Last time it was 75, uh, the first couple it was 50, and now it's probably going to order 100 shirts. And I just hand them out, and I add listeners one at a time. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So with Dan, it was interesting because I've I've reached out to him early on and we were friends and we know each other because I, I mean, I was at the first podcast movement and it's been amazing just to see how much the show has grown, but we have some interesting conversations. So some of the things we talk about are the first person who got him interested in podcasts and the couple of podcasts that he started as well, Entrepreneur Showdown and Men Seeking Tomahawks. But we also talk about the importance of understanding when it's time to retire your podcast, which he's done for those too. Obviously, we get into how podcast movement got started 
And then uh, we we talk about how he's now working for Midroll, which is an advertising company specifically for podcasters. We touch on the speaker submission process at Podcast Movement, which has been an interesting process that I recently went through. And then uh, we talk about how his supporters are important to him and you know, really the, his family as well and what he surprised him about the life he's made around podcasting. And as usual, we we find out what is the one most misunderstood thing about him. So really uh, wide-ranging as as they all are, but it's it's interesting to get behind the mind of someone like Dan who was instrumental in putting what is now one of the biggest podcasting conferences in the world together. Uh, so it's just been really fun to watch, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Head on over to podbean.com to start your own podcast. They make it really, really easy. And for $9 a month, you get the unlimited podcasting plan. And they're always doing new things, which is really, really interesting. They've got an app um, that they, I've talked about last week um, that's really engaging for you to listen to podcasts on there. And once you have the app, there's other opportunities that you can use uh, to get your your listeners engaged more. There's monetization opportunities with advertising. And if you have premium content that you want to protect um, or, or send only to paid listeners, they can do that as well. There's crowdfunding platform. Um, and that app that I mentioned is for I, iPhone and Android. You can also record and publish your podcast straight from the app, which is pretty cool. So um, I mentioned last week, and I'll continue to mention it. If you set up your account with Podbean, let me know, and the first two people that reach out to me, I'll give them uh, a half hour of coaching, free coaching, just to walk them through, or anything related to starting your podcast. It doesn't have to be specifically about the um, the podcast, the Podbeam setup, but in, in general, I know there's a lot of things that are uh, people have questions about when they're getting set up, and I want to be there to help. So if you do set up with Podbeam, let me know, and as a and as a sign of um, goodwill. I want to help you get that podcast moving, so let me know if you do that. So stay tuned to the end of the episode where we reveal this week's retention hashtag. Thanks to uh, those of you that played along last week. Always fun to watch those. And now enjoy my conversation with Dan Franks. So, Dan Franks, thank you for joining me. Long overdue on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, we've we've known each other and talked about each other, and I've worn your shirt for so long that it just seems fitting that eventually it had to happen. Man, it's been such an interesting, um, I guess, two years, maybe two plus years. I mean, we've got a lot of mutual friends who just jumped on this, and we were so excited that we all, and I got a lot of friends that started around the same time. And it's just been an amazing thing to watch. I'm proud of what you guys have done. It, you know, whenever I see friends that we all are, are sort of in the same boat, you know, there's a there's the veteran veterans, right? Ten years and the Garys and and LCs and you know, the people who are just like, wow, they were they were the real pioneers. And then there's like a second wave, and a lot of like our mutual friends are in that wave, and it's it's just inspiring to watch. And I wonder if you just every once in a while like take a breath and just kind of look back and see like what's happened like literally like in the past three years it's been kind of bananas it is and i mean the the space moves so quick that it's almost like you know we have the wave that you mentioned the wave of of people like us that all kind of came into it in this second wave or third wave or whatever it is yeah. but you also kind of look and you see all the people that started with you then they've kind of fallen off so we've already gotten to the point not only where you've got that wave but you've got the people that were in that wave that are now you know gone and dearly departed from the podcast 
from the podcast scene at, at least. So yeah, I mean, I think not only once you can kind of look around and spot who's still left, but who who dropped off, and you've got some mutual friends and stuff that are uh, you talk about how they used to show up and now they don't anymore. So yeah, we've definitely kind of hit that point. Well, you could probably put some metrics around because if you just look at the attendees from the first podcast movement. <laughs> and- yeah, it's funny because I'll always go to Jared and I'll be like, hey, whatever happened to this person? Like they were they were so awesome and they were hardcore and they were at every event. And now I don't even see them on Facebook anymore. And it's like, oh, yeah, they don't podcast anymore. Or what happens quite a bit, believe it or not, or you probably do believe it is, oh, they never actually had a podcast. They were talking about doing one for a few years, and then they never did one. So that's why they're not around anymore. Finally, they decided it wasn't ever going to happen. I guess they underestimate the amount of work it takes, and it, it, maybe it's a, it speaks to passion, or just you know, just think, or maybe just it's a a, a a fading, you know, a fad for them, and they're like, oh, let me just jump on the next bandwagon of what what you know, maybe what, what people think I should be doing or what I think I should be doing because everyone else is doing it. Yeah, that's totally what it is. I mean, there's there's enough people out there saying, well, you should make podcasting a part of your strategy or add it to your content creation strategy is, oh, you're already blogging, you should podcast. So when you get into it that way, being told this is what you should do or this is something you should add to your repertoire, like you're a whole lot less likely to follow through with it because you don't have that passion. You're doing it because you're supposed to, not because you want to versus you see some of these people that have been doing it five years, never break 100 downloads an episode. Like yeah. it's not really – you know, but but they because they enjoy what they're doing and they're doing it because they wanted to, then they'll stick with it forever probably. So just those two approaches, you can almost tell from the beginning, hey, this person is not going to last, and this person is, and it's it's just part of it. Is that you, you've been, you've had such an interesting front row to this, to, you know, to to this phenomenon, and and do you see certain traits like in people? that you know maybe something you just touched upon but do you see traits in where people you have an idea like this is something that they're taking seriously and there's something that that they're going to keep doing it where as opposed to someone who's just jumping on a bandwagon yeah i mean i think kind of what i said that that's really what i see is the people that are adding it on as a layer to their existing business like it's a great layer like i totally preach that that it's a great content strategy you know you hear about content marketing and blogging and podcasting like it totally works but those people are also less likely to stick with it like you know the whole be everywhere strategy and philosophy, I think it really makes sense and it works if you're willing to stick with it. But that failure rate is so, and the drop off rate is just so much more likely that I think 100% the people that are, you know, preaching, you know, get into it and layer it on top of your existing business makes sense conceptually. But in terms of like stick to itiveness, it, it hardly ever stick to itiveness is whatever. It, it hard, <laughs> they hardly ever stick to it. That's a mouthful. Uh, who's the first person that you remember uh, that that was podcasting that got you interested in in the actual like uh, medium? Yeah, I, I think it was. I don't know if you know a guy. Jason Hartman is his name, um, right. and he he does a real estate podcast. It's called Creating Wealth. And I remember my first job right out of college is when I really got into listening to podcasts. So it was eight or nine years ago now, and I was uh, you know desk job, uh, boring, looking for something to do while I do kind of this menial work. And I was like, man, what, what can I do to help pass the time? And somehow, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon iTunes and, and podcasts, but I stumbled upon it and uh, was looking for, you know, getting rich quick or that kind of, you know, businessy podcast because I was always entrepreneurial and kind of business focused. So kind of looking around for those types of things and this creating wealth podcast I saw at that time already had lots of episodes and lots of reviews and highly rated reviews. So gave it a chance and it's uh 
you know, it's a lot about real estate, but it's also a lot about just business and economics in general and got into that and have been listening to Jason's podcast ever since. And now Jason and I are, are really good friends and it's kind of funny. I always tell him he's the one who got me into it. So yeah, that's the first one. And then from there just kind of branched off. I was really into a lot of like the stock market and economics podcast at the beginning. I'm an accountant by, by trade. So anything with money or finance was really kind of my, that was my jam for a while and still is to a lesser extent. So that was kind of my gateway into everything. And he's still podcasting. He's still podcasting. He's got so many episodes and I think he's even got like 10 different podcasts he does. Um, he's a machine. He just cranks out content and he, uh, He's one of those guys that he has a real business that he kind of promotes, not directly through his podcast, but yeah. he kind of has that persona that, that his podcast has set up. And then it's an entryway into his business and it's worked out well for him. Like he could never sell enough sponsorships on his podcast to make up for what he just what his business does because of the podcast. So it's kind of it's one of those models that we that I like to preach a lot to people, too, is, you know, hey, you know. Putting ads on your podcast isn't for everyone if you do have that, you know, that layer we were talking about. And if you can make it work as that entryway into your business, man, it's just worked so well for him. And has he been to podcast movement? Yeah, he was at the very first one, which, you know, some people can say not a lot. Less than half of the people, less than a third of the people that are there this year would be able to say um, they were at the first one, even if all 600 people from the first year showed up. Uh, but yeah, he was there. And I'm not sure if he's been to one since then. He travels a lot and he does... Um, seminars all over for his uh for his real estate stuff but um but yeah he, and he also travels with his dog everywhere he goes so if the hotel isn't and the conference center isn't dog friendly then jason won't show up but that must be an interesting i don't know i know sometimes i've seen your podcast movement you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off hopefully not as much this year but yes i i agree with that yeah but i wonder if you sometimes have a moment where you're like wait this guy that inspired me to you know to, to one of the first podcasts i ever listened to he's added an event that i'm promoting for podcasters this like crazy like weird like cyclical thing Man, everything's cyclical, though, because, you know, we do the same thing with like uh, when we had Kevin Smith on stage last year. Very similar. You know, I grew up watching his movies and, and you know, Dogma was was one of my top movies for a long time. And yeah, and then, you know, next thing I know, I'm kind of showing him to the green room and, and hanging out with him in the green room. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's very surreal. And it's um it's not something I take lightly either, is that like a lot of people would like to be doing what I'm doing. And like you said, I do run around like a chicken with my head cut off. And it's because... I, uh, I'm, I, I, that's why I was able, I think to have that, those opportunities that have come from it. But yeah, I definitely, uh, it's definitely a little surreal when that kind of thing happens. And for the listener, I'm going to apologize if I jump all over the timeline, but just as the thoughts come in, you know, <laughs> I want to try to keep it like sequential, but you know, just some, sometimes the thoughts, but you know, the thoughts pop in of like when stuff happens, but for you, for when you, when did you think, you know, this is something that I want to do myself? Cause you've got, you know, you, you had two podcasts that you started. Well, yeah, I mean that's a good question. So, and 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 podcast movement, you know, zooming out and zooming backwards in the timeline certainly wouldn't have happened had I not been actively podcasting myself. That's how I got into the community in the first place. But um but I think it happened I can't even think of the year, probably around 2012 or 2013, and I was working a normal job, had a coworker, 
that me and him would just hang out from time to time. And something happened to where we both got into talking about podcasts and we realized, hey, we're both podcast listeners. And we started saying, oh, you know, what podcast do you listen to? And it was both like, oh, we both listen to Pat Flynn and we both listen to these and that. Uh, so we started figuring out, oh, we both like podcasts. And then we got into talking about what we didn't like about the podcast we listened to and then started talking about how, you know, we thought it could be done better. And, and probably we've always thought about doing it, but never actually pulled the trigger. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And next thing I know, we've got equipment sitting in my my office and he and I are recording podcasts. So, you know, we, obviously that that clear timeline from being a podcast listener to being a podcaster, it was just a, you know, a very steady, but a very, um, you know, when, once we figured out maybe we could do it better, which obviously Pat Flynn, we, we're, we didn't do it better. But, you know, that's where it <laughs> that's where it started from. And uh, yeah, so from there, been podcasting and you know, different shows and guesting on different shows and just uh, getting it behind the mic as much as I can while still trying to keep the podcast movement train on the tracks. So uh, it's interesting because sometimes you listen to podcasts and then later on you find out and you develop a relationship with the people. But I remember uh, specifically Entrepreneur Showdown because I think if I remember correctly, it was one of the ones where John Lee Dumas was appearing on a bunch of podcasts. But then when he was on yours, like the way you handled that interview, was different than what I think what he was used to and, and sort of like the, the approach you had. And, and, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, if that's something that was conscious uh, in terms of the format you, you pick specifically for Entrepreneur Showdown. Yeah, so how I was talking about how uh, me and Joe Cassandra was my co-host's name, We'd, we when we were talking about what we didn't like about all these podcasts, it was specifically that the same guests are going on all these different podcasts, but the interviews are exactly the same. So, you know, we're fans of John Lee Dumas or fans of Pat Flynn or fans of any of these other, you know, people kind of in this space, but every single show they went on, the interview sounded exactly the same. It was the same questions. Or if it wasn't the same questions, these guys kind of went on autopilot and gave the same answers and kind of redirected the interviewer to, you know, whatever it was that they were, you know, programmed to say. So our whole thing was, I wonder if we could get these same guests on. Everyone loves these guests. Everyone likes Pat Flynn, but we also know his story and know where he started. So what could we do to get a different type of interview out of him? And and so that was 100% the approach. The, the, what you noticed about the interview was 100% what we did. And the whole idea was we're not going to ask them to tell us about themselves. We're not going to give them any of that ammo you know, to start off the interview that way. We're going to say – you know, hey, this is John Lee Dumas. Here's the website you can go to to find out his story. But John, tell us about the time that this happened. Or, you know, we jump right into something. Yeah. And that was actually uh, taken from Andrew Warner at Mixergy. He yes. often does that where he'll he'll get into the backstory more, but he won't start from there. And we, we, we learned very quickly that starting the interview at a different place, even if you circle back to the backstory or circle back to that kind of story that everyone knows, just starting it in a different place would then lead to a completely different end result, and it worked out really well. And then you st- and then you had also men seeking tomahawks uh, with Jack, right? Yeah, so men seeking tomahawks was a um, a variety show, and we learned some lessons from it. It was basically we would talk, uh, we formatted it like a one hour radio show where you'd have uh, you know three different segments and three different topics that we would cover, and we would have musical interludes in the middle from local bands and stuff. I um, mean, it was really fun to do. And we had people that listened every week that really liked it, but just we quickly learned that while we thought, hey, let's make this show that appeals to everyone because we we cover all these different topics. So whether you like sports or music or politics or news, like we're going to cover that. 
that that's not really what makes podcasts great because what makes podcasts great is people can pick that one topic that they're interested in or that one type of show that they want to hear and then they can just binge on that type of show or only subscribe to that type of show. So while we are trying to appeal to all those different people, really that's not what anybody wanted when it came to a podcast. You know, when you turn on the radio, uh, you think uh, you, you're you're okay kind of hearing a variety of different things because it's passive listening, not active. But when you flip that script and in podcasting, when it's active listening and people have, get to choose what they want to hear and can t- tune away when they don't want to hear what you're talking about, that's where we learn that kind of if you're if you're something for everyone, you're really something for nothing for yeah. no one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a fun show, and Jack and I still are we're constantly throwing ideas around about a new podcast and different, different things we could potentially do together. Um, but yeah, men seeking tomahawks was a couple year experiment and, uh, that's, uh, that's now passed much like entrepreneur showdown has. Talk about the, the, the timing because all podcasters are, are going to go through this, um, point at in, in somewhere in their podcasting career when they decide that enough is enough with shows. And you've had two now, right? That you started and stopped. So I wonder, you know, because there may be podcasters listening to this that are thinking, am I at that point now in my podcast? So I'm wondering if you could talk about the thought process when you decided that it it's had its run. Yeah, I mean, it's emotional, right? Like both of those shows, like it was very hard to let go. And I think usually most podcasters, if they get to that point, they drag it on a little bit longer than they probably should just because it's like, oh, no, you know, I like this. And some people are still listening or or lots of people are still listening or whatever that is. But I think if you if you drag it on and you don't kind of make that clean cut when you inside know that it's the right time, you're not doing any service to the listeners because your your product's probably not as good as it was when you were once passionate about it. And quite honestly, you're you're kind of killing the beauty of podcasting and the beauty of doing your own thing, which is, hey, there's no one telling you this is the right or wrong way to do things. You're not under contract to any network. Tell, most people aren't at least telling you, no, you have to do a weekly show for, you know, until this time when your contract runs out. Like all of those things that make podcasting and kind of the DIY independent hobbyist or whatever you want to call it, you know, part role in this in this podcast space. Great. You're you're kind of defeating that 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 greatness by stretching something on and feeling obligated. Um, so I really just encourage people like just because you stop a show doesn't mean you have to stop podcasting. Yeah. You know, then that's the that's the biggest thing is I think we all have shiny object syndrome, uh, or a lot of us do anyways, and we kind of have these different ideas of different podcasts to start. Um, and I think obviously that's that can be dangerous if you're jumping all over the place. But I also think if you internally know that hey, this this time has run its course or this show has run its course, um, we've seen plenty of big shows that have stopped and then picked up somewhere else successfully. You know, from the very big shows like your serials who did S Town on a different podcast feed. And that podcast feed then suddenly became like really big. Like we've seen examples of of bigger shows that have kind of hit the reset button and then just, you know, built a little bridge from one to the other. Like I, I totally support people who want to do something like that if they say, OK, this podcast that I'm doing now is finished. Like I've got to the end of the road and I want to do something else like you can certainly leverage that existing audience yeah. to build that bridge and to lead people into that new show. And I think maybe that's some people's biggest fear is, you know, I built up this audience or I built up this subscriber base and maybe I want to do something else, but how do I, you know, not sacrifice and not make all that worth for all that work basically be nothing. Like what can I do to help kind of pivot? And I think there's all different kinds of strategies that people can do. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it just depends what people's fear is in, in, in quitting. Sometimes they just don't want to be the quitter, but sometimes <laughs> there's, sometimes there's other things like that you know, like their fan base that they're trying to figure out what to do with. You know, it's interesting about if you, when you stop podcasting, you're quitting, but you're quitting like 
publicly because everyone knows that you had a show. <laughs> and so you have to actually admit or, or maybe just go, you know, just turn it off and don't tell anyone. <laughs> and people go searching for your episodes and like, hey, what happened? You know, because I've, I've missed a couple. There was a time, you know, it, energy wanes. And there was a time when I was like getting tired and there was a couple of a weeks gone by and I would get the email and be like, hey, are, you know, what's up? Is the next episode coming? So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, I think that's kind of the sign. If, if you ever want to know, hey, do people really care about what I'm doing? Just kind of stop cold turkey and see if people tweet at you or email you and ask you where it's at. And if not, maybe that'll be enough motivation to just stop right there if nobody cares. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. It, it's sad, but it also could be like a reality slapping you in the face. So you have the entrepreneurial bug. You've got a couple of podcasts. I'm really curious. And I, you know, it's been years probably since I've been wanting to just get, um, you know, peek into the the thought process. But can you tell me the story of like when this idea of the the um, podcast movement like it started? Like, what was those? What were those earliest conversations that you can remember, and who were you having them with? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's a very it's very clear to me. I, I can it's like it was yesterday, as they say. Um, but it was at New Media Expo 2014, I believe. It was January 2014, was there, yeah. and and one thing that was very obvious was that. New Media Expo, while it was a, a conference for bloggers and podcasters and web TV people, those were the three tracks, kind of overall tracks they had that year. Um, and there was equal number of sessions for each. That if you looked like who is mainly here, it was a lot of podcasters. Like it was way more podcasters than bloggers. And it was way more podcasters than web TV people. Yet that wasn't like represented with what was on stage. And we we're like, all right, this seems a little like there, there, there's a little imbalance here. Uh, so we, we, you know, we immediately noticed that. And then we started thinking like, obviously you see that and you're like, well, what else is there? Maybe the people are here not because this is the best option for them, but because it's the only option for them. If this is the type of event they're looking for as a podcaster. And it was myself, Jared easily and Gary Leland, who's been on the show recently. Uh, and the, uh, the three of us were sitting in, I guess the expo hall at new media expo. And there was like round tables where you could just kind of hang out and relax. And we were talking about all the bad sessions we went to. And it was like, oh, yeah, I went to this one session and people were trying to sneak out the back door. But the lady was like really scared on stage. So that this was me telling the story. There was a blogger on stage, her first time to ever speak. And she was really scared. And people in the crowd were like having to say, it's OK, you can do it. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> so it was this thing of, well, people really wanted to sneak out the side door, uh, me being one of them. But also this lady was like on the brink of tears. So no one wanted to be the one to push her over the edge. So it was a very sad uh, instance. Wow. But but this whole thing kind of circles back to what your question was, was that this was a blogger on stage. And I had somehow accidentally ended up in a blogger session when I thought it was a podcaster session. And I was like, you know, that kind of sucks. What if I couldn't accidentally stumble into a blogger session because everything was for podcasters? Yeah. And, you know, we, we all kind of had little anecdotal stories uh, around the same thing and, and saying – you know, it would be cool if this was a podcaster conference and not every everybody conference. And, you know, that conversation continued for a few weeks uh, after New Media Expo amongst the three of us. And we finally just said, you know, hey, somebody's going to do this. Like this is kind of a this is kind of an obvious thing for us. We're certainly not the only people that this is obvious to. So why don't we <laughs> why don't we give it a go? I mean, it was as e it was as as quick as that. None of us had event planning experience. Um, I think Gary had run a couple pod camps in dallas so very you know kind of glorified meetups really is what pod camps are and uh, he had run a couple of those 
and we decided like, hey, we someone's going to do this. Let's let's see if it can be us. And we just kind of took a go at it from there. So that's really where it started was just kind of looking around and saying, we wish this event was one thing and it's not. So let's do something like that. It's interesting because uh, I literally just finished up my conversation with Gary and it released this week um, and I made it my three year anniversary episode just because we spoke for an hour and 20 minutes and you know him obviously, you know, from yeah. being friends with him, but so long, he's just a fascinating, fascinating storyteller and super like entrepreneur. So <laughs> once you, I think, connected with him, it was just meant to happen. And, and, and you know, Jared as well, like, I, I mean, the, the, it probably couldn't have been like three more perfect minds that could put put their heads together to come up with something like this. Yeah, and it's funny. And all of our our skills and our traits kind of complement each other. Like you know, I'm I'm kind of the organizational. Like I said, I'm an accountant. I'm very detail oriented. Uh, you know, so so I, I think I'm kind of that details guy and kind of logistics guy behind the scenes. And then you know Jared. Jared's kind of a connector, so he gets out there and he tries to know everybody and talk to everybody, uh, which is something that I'm not necessarily super interested in. It's fine. I can do it if I force myself. But having someone like that on the team uh, certainly helps. And then Gary, uh, you know, Gary is obviously a very successful businessman in his own right and runs a lot of businesses that are making him a lot of money. Um, but for us, I would say, and he would admit to this, what he's been most beneficial for in in the podcast movement business, at least, is he is that kind of bridge to that that older generation, that first generation of podcasters that we talked about. So while Jared and I are, are in the same boat as you in terms of who we know and who we came up with, uh, Gary is from that original 50 or whatever they call themselves, the first 50 people that yeah. ever were creating these podcasts, and he knows everybody. So you know, having that connection to those people who are still, many of them, very important players in the space, and they run a lot of the big companies now, whether it's Libsyn or Blueberry or any of these hosts or networks, like those all those people all started kind of around the same time. So his kind of connection to the past as well as kind of his overall business savvy. And then myself and Jared, like you said, we kind of complement each other in a perfect way. So looking back, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to, to, you know, do Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking, but what were some of the things that you just couldn't foresee as you started, you know, just that first one. I, I mean, I, I probably should mention that I, I remember literally like the, the Kickstarter because you were like, let's, let's throw this out. You know, I think it was, we just need, need to raise $10,000. I think you just were trying yeah, exactly. to get, trying to get, uh, maybe, you, I don't know if you planned on two days, but I, I think I remember because I was friends with Chris Cerrone and, uh, uh, you know, just people that were starting around the same time. I remember we seeing the Kickstarter and it went like, I think I was like one of the first, if not 20, like in the first top 50, I was like, I bought it right away. I was like, I have to go. I just started a podcast. Like, I need to be there. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Like you said, we launched it on Kickstarter because yeah. none of us had uh, any idea if we were the only people that wanted this conference idea. Uh, so we put it on Kickstarter and, and we were debating if, if $10,000 was too high um, because the story with Kickstarter is you pick a goal and if you don't get to that goal, even if you're a penny shy, you yeah. get nothing. Yeah. So that was our whole fear was, well, you know, what's the least that we can do this conference on? You know, what's the least amount? So we added up, okay, there's this community center north of Dallas that we can get for X no amount of dollars. And they require us to buy X amount of coffee and spend X amount on on projectors and, and microphones and stuff. So uh, and then Kickstarter keeps like 20 percent. So we kind of put all this math together. and We're like, all right, for like eight thousand bucks. We could do this two day conference, get 200 people in there. It'll be great. We'll be fine. Um, and then within the first day, we had already met that ten thousand uh, dollars, and then we laughed because we had debated if ten thousand dollars if we could raise that in thirty days, and we ended up being I think right around thirty thousand dollars, so tripled that goal. 
which was super naive of us because we ended up spending probably three or four times that on the conference itself. So we look back and say, you know, it's uh, glad that's not the only money we had. Otherwise, we would have been super upside down. But yeah, so we uh, kind of the biggest eye opener was when we had to change venue two or three times just because we kept selling more and more registrations. Uh, like I said, we thought we could get 200 of our podcasting friends, quite honestly, like people we knew. If we get 200 of them together, it would be a successful first year. And then we ended up with 600, most of the people we didn't know. Um, and it was pretty like it was pretty eye-opening and pretty awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a cool problem to have. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was the most eye-opening thing was just that that initial demand was so much more than we thought. But we still so our, our biggest issue, I think, was that we still operated it like it was a bunch of our friends at the conference. Yeah. So in terms of the speakers, all the speakers were people we knew, people that were cool to us, people that, um, you know, we called in favors, you know, a bunch of the people that we, we thought, hey, you know, what, what's the least we can do to get, you know, some cool people on stage? And it ended up being, like I said, a bunch of our friends, a bunch of people we had connections with, which to us was awesome. But to a lot of the attendees are like, OK, there's too many white yeah. dudes talking about business. And that's what it was white dudes talking about business or that are business podcasters. They weren't talking about business, but they were business podcasters. So they had the slant on it. So, um, you know, while we got off on a, on a great foot in terms of the number of people there and, and the majority of the responses, we did end up with a, a segment of people that kind of represented who we were white dudes that had business podcasts. And, and so that was kind of our first, our first hurdle and our, our first eye opening experience of, okay, this is going to be bigger than we thought it would be. So now we have to treat it like that. So, and I mean, it's just been amazing to watch because it seems like this, the speed at which you're learning the lessons has just been just amazing to watch. I mean, it's just like how the, the, the conference has transformed and it's arguably like the number one podcasting conference in the world. <laughs> and it, and well, so, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that in terms of, uh, so certainly, you know, uh, there's other, other ones that that are smaller, that could be better for us, for some people. Yeah. But in terms of size and in terms of, um, at least what we think in terms of, you know, the experience we present, it's the number one. So I, I imagine a couple of people have this question because, uh, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about this. They see the conference, they see the success, they see, you know, Mark Barron's there, Sarah Koenig, you know, Alex Bloomberg, Kevin Smith, like these guys are firing on all cylinders. Dan must be like raking in the dough because <laughs> he got in early and he started this. But then you take a job at mid-roll. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, I always think about these things and, you know, what people's perception is of like, how challenging it is to to start a new venture and what the realities are so i'm wondering if you could talk a little little about a little bit about that because i think some people listening might have that question yeah so i mean there's there's two arguments we get or two thoughts that we hear often one is that a oh, podcast movement's just yeah like making a ton of money and they're just getting rich off this and they're, they're they might be a little greedy um especially we'll get some pushback on on registration costs and stuff and and what i always say and what often will kind of convince people otherwise is i was like if you've never run an event before, you don't know what it's like to pay $50,000 for coffee. You don't know what it's like to pay $40,000 for three days worth of internet. Like the, the, the cost of events and the cost of event space and the cost of food and beverage and audio video for an event like this is just so much more than you would imagine. Like had I penciled in estimates for any of these things before I'd actually been in the space, I would have just, uh, you know, well, we did. That's how we ended up with the $10,000 goal on Kickstarters because we just super underestimated all of these costs. You know, Mark Maron's not free. Kevin Smith isn't free. Sarah Koenig's not free. You know, they're, they're, they're not the cost of coffee, but they're not free either. Yeah. 
so, so I mean, that that's just the biggest thing is, yeah, we certainly hear that feedback and we try our best to, to, to say, Hey, you know, we're, we're all working full-time jobs on this, uh, you know, in addition to this for a reason, you know, if, if this was, if we were raking it in with podcast movement, uh, we would certainly just double down on podcast movement. And that's all you'd see us doing. You know, that said, it's certain, you know, we're, we're all kind of entrepreneurial. We're not doing it. We're also, we're not doing it just out of the good of our heart. You know, that's why we started it because we thought it was an awesome thing for the space. Uh, but you know, when you're putting in 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week on a full-time job and then another 40 hours a week on this side hustle, like there's also, you know, some end game and we'd certainly, you know, love it to be something that we could, uh, contribute our full-time efforts to. So, um, yes, anyone who, who thinks we're raking it in, no, but <laughs> we, we do hope that it becomes sustainable so that we can keep it going because yeah. that's the ultimate game is to keep it going and keep it, you know, better and better each year. So, uh, just, you know, following up on that because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, can you talk a little bit about your mindset when you decided like it's, it, you know, cause everything in your, in your life entre- entrepreneurially, I would imagine it revolves around podcasting. So can you talk a little bit about that conversation with Midroll? Well, you know, I, so I met all the, the team from Midroll at podcast movement at the 2015 one. So, you know, that's the way that, that I was introduced to them. And, uh, you know, my background, like I said, is I'm, I'm an accountant, I'm a CPA and, they had recently been acquired by Scripps, yep. uh, who, who is the corporate owner of Midroll now and Earwolf and everything that Stitcher, everything that Midroll owns. And they were, you know, a startup. Midroll was a startup. It was operating on a shoestring budget. And the first thing that, that they were told when they were acquired was, hey, you need to uh, build out this team a little bit. Like, you guys are a real business. You need to start acting like it. Like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses kind of come to that realization that, you know, you can operate one way for so long, but to kind of get to that next level, you got to start acting like a little bit bigger business. So um, they were looking for a CPA to add to the team with podcast industry experience. And they they had known that, you know, that was my background as well. And they were big fans of what we were doing with podcast movement. And they, they kind of reached out to me and said, hey, we think you would be a good fit for this. Uh, I said, I think I would be too. It sounds like fun. But, you know, podcast movement's got to keep going. It's got to keep going. With me, it's got to keep going independent. It can't, you know, and, and they were all good with that. They're, they were a bunch of, uh, you know, entrepreneurial people themselves. So they were, you know, great with that. And that's kind of how that's kind of how that whole thing started was, uh, you know, it's a relationship that I found through podcast movement. But in the end, like that was kind of where the, the pod, that's kind of where the podcast movement and mid-roll line is drawn was just that was our first introduction and then kind of splits back off again. What's it been like for you to now be seen as uh, like a voice in, in podcasting or someone who, you know, people look to because of the conference, you know, because of your work with Midroll? Have you have you have you seen that or have you had the time to just kind of sit back and realize like that, you know, people look to you for guidance and for advice on the on what's happening in podcasting? Because essentially you've got your finger on the pulse. Yeah, it's something I, I don't take lightly for sure. Um, I don't take it for granted. Uh, but it is it's it's very it's very um it's kind of a cool position to be in. Um and I, I love like I love the space, obviously. That's what I'm doing for day job and side job is is podcast related things. So it's something I'm very passionate about and involved when with by choice. Uh and and so I, I kind of I, I like the position. I, I like to help. Um I like to go to our local Dallas meetup group here and just kind of um you know, I usually sit in the back of the room and just hang out and watch the speaker. And then, you know, I, I'll, I'll raise my hand and chime in when I feel like I need to. I try not to, um, you know, steal too much. 
but I really do enjoy going and, and, you know, there's 20 or 30 podcasters a month that show up there and I love to, to help and just give any, any guidance or advice I can. And like you said, I feel like I do have my finger on the pulse uh, pretty well just because I sell the sponsorships for podcast movement. So all the new, all the new apps and all the new tools that are coming into the space kind of funnel through me. So I get a, an insight into all these different platforms that are, you know, six months away. Uh, trying to debut by the time podcast movement comes around. And then, you know, I'm dealing with most of the speakers as well. So I have all those relationships. So, um, you know, it, it's something that, that didn't just happen by accident. Like it, it happened because hundreds and thousands of hours of phone calls and research and all of this. Um, so because of that, and because I feel like, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in this, I'm very happy to give back and, and use that kind of knowledge and, and relationships however I can. It's interesting that one of the things you talked about earlier was that it's a bunch of white guys talking about podcasting because that's who started it. But I see that you've made a conscious effort because I see the newsletters and you and you do leverage, you know, uh, opportunities to highlight, you know, minority podcasters, LGBT. I probably screwed that one up. (laughs) But yeah, like um, like all sorts of a a diverse collection of podcasters. I'm going to have to. It's gonna keep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep thinking. LGBT. LGBTQ. LGBTQ. Yeah, that's the Q that threw me off. But I've seen that you've done that in the newsletters because we are such a diverse collection of podcasters, and we all have different voices. And I'm wondering if that's something that you realized that was missing, and that's something that needed to be brought to the forefront. To just you have the opportunity to 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 put a spotlight on some of these shows. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. the very basic what I can say is we look at who attends our conference and when we look at who attends our conference, we're like, okay, that that's who's at the conference. So that's who should be on stage, right? It's like if we've got 50-50 yeah. uh, male-female attending the conference, which we do, it's very much split, then that's kind of how the speaker lineup should be too because that's who's coming to the conference. That's obviously who you know who's involved in the space so while it would be very easy to in and all the stats are out there that you know top 50 sorry my lawnmowers are here <laughs> that's okay awesome Every, everyone regular that, listeners know, yeah regular listeners yeah. know that anything and yeah. everything can happen <laughs> <laughs> um but no but you know when we look at who's attending our conference and we look who's that means that's that's who act is active in the podcast space and that's who we want to have represented. And we just didn't have that approach or, or that knowledge or kind of that exposure uh, the first year of podcast movement. So um, it certainly evolved from there. And, but it has been a conscious effort. I, I've, I'm happy to share this with anybody, and I, I have before, so it's nothing new. But when we get like 500 speaker submissions like we did this year, you know, 400 of them are men and 100 of them are women. And now I've talked to multiple people about like why do you think that is? Like we see who's attending the conference, we know what the demographic is in the podcast space in general. So why is that not reflected in you know these speaker submissions? Uh, so we have to make an effort, active effort to reach out and do some outreach and make sure that, like I said, that demographic that's at the event is rep- represented um, on stage. For f- folks listening, and, and the, I know that the deadline's just passed, but you know next year is going to be coming around. Do you is there something that's that you think about and that you see that's underrepresented? You just mentioned, you know, the, the male female ratio, but anything else that people can think about as they prepare their their submissions for next year? Um, that's something you'd like to see more of on stage? Yeah, I mean, there's what what we see a ton of is uh, submissions for just like, like with titles, how to make your podcast awesome. And it's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> you know, how to make your podcast awesome. 
that, that's kind of generic or how to start a podcast. And it's like, okay, like it's a podcast conference. So that's super generic. Um, but we also see, and we see a ton of this, and this isn't necessarily to help maybe anyone that's listening, but we see a lot of people that are just marketers and they're, they're not even podcasters. And they're like, oh, we're going to throw this out there and say like how to market your podcast or how to get a hundred thousand podcast subscribers. And it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I would, I would say if you're somebody that's, you know, not actively podcasting and can't really speak the same language as us, like come to the conference for a year, meet some people, and then maybe come back with, with some of these ideas. No, but it's really tough. Like there's not any one, one thing I can say to people other than we get like 500 submissions for like 40 spots or 50 spots. Like mm-hmm. it's really, th- th- we, we, we have to turn down so many awesome submissions and we have a team of people that we work with to kind of help pick out what these sessions are just because it's a, it's a insurmountable and thankless task for somebody to do on their own that we like to spread out some of that pain amongst, uh, amongst some other people. But yeah, it's a, I, if anyone asked me what's the worst part about running an event, it would be the open speaker submission process mm-hmm. and having to whittle down 500 submissions for, to 40. Yeah, that's not an enviable job, I imagine. Anything uh, that you've seen that you can uh, give us a sneak peek on in terms of new apps or new tools? You know, what I see a lot of people coming out with right now is trying to figure out the monetization piece for smaller shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most people know that Midroll, who, who I'm familiar with, obviously, um, is kind of the leader in selling ads on podcasts uh, in terms of the number of ads they're placing on podcasts. But the problem is the way the economics work is is for a company like Midroll, it really just doesn't make sense for them to work with shows that are very small. I think the cutoff number is fifty or sixty thousand shows, yeah. and or fifty or sixty thousand downloads per show. And the reason that is is because they, you know, Midroll has teams of salespeople and teams of ad operation people who are coordinating these ad reads and coordinating the placement on shows. Like it's a big business, and for that reason, because there are salaries to pay and there's limited resources, it only makes sense to work on the biggest shows. So you've got this big gap of people you know, that are getting somewhere between zero and 50,000 downloads per show that, that could be very attractive to advertisers, but there's just hasn't traditionally been a great business model other than those people doing it themselves, doing some DIY ad selling or selling their own products or services on their podcast. But if you just want ad reads on your podcast, there's been you know some okay solutions, but nothing great. And I'm seeing a bunch of players coming into the space who are trying to solve that issue of, hey, we've got these great podcasts getting great numbers, and we've got these advertisers that are looking for great podcasts to be on. What's a way to economically make these two meet and, and put these two together to make make a win for everybody? So I think we have two or three new apps that are going to be at podcast movement this year or new services that are trying to make that happen. So I encourage everyone that's going to podcast movement to, to hit that expo hall and find some, find some good fits. Yeah. And it, and I think what a lot of people don't understand in the event planning space is that you, you guys had that space lined up. Even when we showed up at 2016, you already knew exactly where you're going <laughs> to, where you were going to have the next event. And there's so much planning with an event this size that you have to do ahead of time. Yeah. It's, um, you know, when I talk about the biggest eye openers as a new and, and, you know, unexperienced event planner, the first one was the cost, just the cost of everything. Like I said, the cost of coffee um, and, and internet. Everyone, and everyone in event planning always mentions the coffee. The coffee, because it's like, wait, I could buy, you know, a bunch of Starbucks single cups and dump them into this vat and it would cost like $5 versus the 50 I'm paying for it. So that 10x markup on coffee is yeah. pretty insane. But yeah, the other thing is just how far in advance. Uh, you have to plan 
especially as the conference grows, one of the struggles we run into and people say, why don't you come to this city or that city? And in an event like ours, we're not big enough, nor do we want to be big enough to be in like a convention center. Yeah. So, you know, we don't want to be in this giant, uh, a corner of this giant convention center. We like the idea of the intimate feeling of being all under one roof in a hotel that everyone's staying there and everyone can kind of have a two or three day party, you know, all in one place. So we like that idea. But because of that, you know, when you have 2000 attendees, uh, like we're going to have this year, there's not a lot of hotels that have event space and meeting space for that many people. So, you know, as we grow, the number of, of hotels that are available to us kind of keep chopping away. Yeah. And there's a city, uh, there's a couple cities really that we really wanted to go to and flat out, they don't have hotels big enough for us. So, you know, that's the easy answer when we tell people, you know, we can't come to that city. Um, but the other thing is because there's a limited number of hotels of the size we're looking for, that uh, those hotels get booked up really far in advance. So, you know, we, we go to a city and we like are looking around the hotel and we're like, you know, we call our lady who helps us negotiate with the hotels and we're like, hey, we're in this city, you know, can you set us up a hotel or a tour of this hotel? And they'll, she'll be like, the earliest we can set you up for any summer, any summer Saturday or any summer three day window would be for like 2022 or something like that. Oh, wow. And we're like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't think we're ready to sign a contract for 2022 yet. Um, so anyways, yeah, we, we do. And, and we're actively looking actually right now for what would it be 2019. So, um, <laughs> so we're, we're already, you know, two years in advance. And even then it's like, okay, you have one, you know, at, at any, any hotel that we like, we have like one week to choose from. So, uh, it's, it's been eye opening how far in advance you have to plan and super scary. Like no one I think wants to be signing, a half a million dollar contract for something two years in advance that you're just hoping hoping things will keep going well and, and get there, but it's kind of part of the part of the business. And so 2018 is locked down, right? 2018 is locked down. Um, so we tell everybody, we're telling everybody, okay, so picture where in the country we've been so far. So we've been in the central area with Dallas and Fort Worth. We've been in the Midwest with Chicago. We've been at the West with uh california this year so you know if you start kind of coloring the part of the country you know kind of guess at least what side of the country we're going to next year sounds like we're going east <laughs> <laughs> sounds like we might be well that, that should be fun i grew up in new york so uh, it might give me an opportunity to get the uh, tie that into a visit back home might uh, be changing gears a little bit who from your family would be most surprised at where you are now with everything you're doing uh around podcasting Man, I don't think anybody. My family has always been so supportive and kind of, you know, I, I, I've had the best kind of cheerleading family no matter what I've done in life. You know, I, I played baseball in high school and I was I was OK, but I wasn't the best. But they never like got on to me for not being the best. And, you know, throughout my life, like whatever I wanted to do, they were going to be like 100 percent behind me. And, you know, you, you always have I've always had the support of ants and stuff that are like, oh, yeah, we always knew. And they call me Danny. We always knew Danny would, would be successful when he grew up. So, you know, we're not surprised. So um, I, I guess I'm, I'm blessed to say that nobody would be surprised. But certainly I, it's just because they've been supportive no matter what. And even if I failed, they would say, oh, you know, we knew we knew you're we knew you're, you, you got the next thing coming, whatever the next thing is you'll get. So, um, yeah, I'm blessed to say nobody would be surprised. And what about your immediate family in terms of the support needed, you know, to get you to where you are to this point, you know, because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, that they, they're able to do the things that they do because of, you know, they've got their family behind them through the late nights and through the long hours. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, so so my wife has been super supportive, and um, she actually is the one who came up with the name Podcast Movement. So she's got some, you know, not only does she have stake in the company from uh, Texas being a joint property state where we own everything 50-50, but just from the fact that, uh, you know, the the long nights that we spent trying to figure out a name for this thing after we decided we wanted to do it, yeah. and she was the one that came up with that. So I think I think she feels a little bit of ownership of it, which is awesome. Is um, and great. she's a marketer her by trade, so she's always good to help, um, you you know, come up with ideas or bounce some marketing ideas off of. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, any time that you're going to spend nights and weekends and late nights and long weekends um, working on anything on the side or even your main job, if you're having to put in those extra long hours, it, it's, it takes a super strong support system. So right now, it's her and my two dogs are very supportive of what I do. So it's, you know, very, very appreciative of that because it couldn't happen without people believing in you and supporting what you're doing. Yeah, and, and as you grow, I mean, that community of supporters and, and people who've got your back, uh, I would imagine they're, they're growing as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess that's a double-edged sword, right? You certainly have more friends. As things are going well, there's certainly more people that want to, you know, be friends and stuff. I don't know. It's I'm certainly not comparing myself to like a successful athlete or something like that. But you see, you know, as when when college football players get signed to these big contracts and suddenly they talk about how all the long lost cousins come out of the woodwork and that hasn't happened to me yet so um so i I think it's 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 a better feeling because people just really are passionate about the podcast space much like we are and passionate about what we're doing um and and people are willing to support we've had so many people that just say you know whatever you need just let us know and I, I keep saying the same thing over, over and over, but we don't take that lightly or for granted that people are are willing to you know contribute their time and, and efforts and and you know even if it's just an extra tweet to let people know that they're excited about podcast movement and letting their network know. So all of those things that people have done for us to help us um, so far does not go unnoticed, and we don't take it for granted. But I do imagine what happens to someone in your position is anyone who has anything remotely to do with podcasting. They they think it would be a good idea to be Dan Frank's friend. <laughs> so there, um, there must be a, like a you must have like or have started to develop some sort of internal filtering process because I imagine like the amount of people that want your attention in the podcasting space is growing. Yeah, I try not to, um, and, and it stretches the time extra thin. Um, I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Um, but what are the, what's the saying when you're like uh, it's a higher is a higher higher slow fire fast right? Yeah. I think that's what they say when you're like in a business hiring people, you know, kind of the same thing. Like I'll, I'm, I'm very slow to build relationships and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to talk to anybody and get to know anybody. But in terms of like people that all like, you know, whether it's letting actually hi- like hiring somebody to do work or, or actually, you know, taking that next step, yeah. I'm very, I'm very kind of slow and methodical about that. So I'm an introvert, naturally an introvert. So um, I'm I'm fine keeping a bunch of people kind of at arm's length, but in terms of like, you know, what what actually, you know, how, how people actually get into the the inner circle, so to speak, um, it's a lot slower, and that's you know the reason why I am stretched so thin sometimes is because, like most entrepreneurs, I try to do everything myself, and um, you know, it's a it's a little bit not necessarily a trust issue, but maybe I'll call it like you worded it an internal filter issue. <laughs> What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about you? Yeah, I don't know. I think that you know everyone thinks Jared's the friendly one, and I'm the mean one. <laughs> I, I've I've heard that quite a bit, um, and I think I'm pretty friendly too. Like I said, I'm introverted, so naturally, uh, you know, I, I I let him. I defer to him oftentimes if we're doing 
you know, group meetups or doing any kind of thing. I'll let Jared be the one to thank everyone for being there and I'll kind of hang in the back and, and just, you know, talk with anyone who wants to come talk to me. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm the mean one. Um, and that doesn't mean Jared's the nice one. Now I think Jared's very nice, but by default that those actions don't necessarily mean either one of those things are true. That's funny. Uh, what have you changed your mind about recently? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I changed, well, <laughs> as we're looking for 20, uh, 2019 podcast movement venues and cities, uh, there, there was somewhere that Jared and I were both for and then against, and now I think we're swaying back towards, towards four. So I can't give any specifics other than to say, um, you know, that those long-term decisions that we talked about previously, those kind of surround my most recent change of mind. Now that you're in the event planning game, I imagine that's another thing, you know, just like you got into podcasting, you learned everything about podcasting. This has sort of been a trial by fire, I imagine, for um, event planning. So are you now finding that you're looking at like event, where event planners congregate or, or tips or, or reading posts from event planners? So like, are, do you now find yourself <laughs> in that space as well? Yeah. And actually, that's something I've toyed with for a while is if I ever, you know, made podcast movement my full time job or if I had any free time that opened up somehow is, um, you know, I really enjoy the production and the logistical aspect of event planning. Um, actually, with Midroll, I'm very hands on with an event we're doing called Now Hear This and it's a festival. Oh, yeah, so yeah. whereas podcast movement is an industry event for the creators, um, Now Hear This is a, is a festival for the for the fans. It's kind of like we call it like Comic-Con for podcasting um, because there's meet and greets and autograph signings and performances and all of that. So, um, you know, I, I've been more hands-on in the planning of that that festival as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the live event space is, is fun and cool. And I think more and more as we become more digital and become more disconnected personally, that the the need and the want for that personal uh, attendance and that personal interaction goes up. I mean, I've seen over the past five or six years more meetup groups happen because there's so many more people that are working on their own by themselves in mm -hmm. their house that they're looking for more opportunities to get out of the house and get around other like-minded people. So for that reason, I'm like becoming even more into uh, getting into the live events and things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the live event space and I could see myself potentially doing more in it. Do you, one of the things that folks, you know, our mutual friends talk about is how much, you know, how quickly you moved into connecting with some of these, you know, professional podcasters or just these people with million downloads. And do you ever wonder about that balance in between like, you know, the, 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 the do it yourselfers and the just getting started? And, and how do you think about that when you, when you think about planning the events and, and how you're going to manage that going forward? Yeah, it's really tough. And it's not something we, we even thought about ever having to worry about. I mean, we were independent podcasters, and 100% when we created Podcast Movement, the idea was an event for people like us, independent podcasters. But then when you start having folks like your NPRs or your ESPNs or some of these bigger groups say, you know, hey, we really like what you're doing. We would like to speak at your event. And it's like, of course, that's awesome. And we still think it is because, like, why wouldn't you want to learn some of the secrets of what these big guys are doing? Because there's always lessons you can learn, whether it's something you can directly apply as an independent podcaster or something that, you know, you can you can kind of relate to what you do and kind of incorporate into what you do. Um, so for us, we're looking at that. We look at that as like, oh, that's awesome. But then as we get more and more of those people attending the event, too, then it's like, oh, man, now it's not just an independent creators conference. You know, those independent creators are still there. But now there's, you know, more professionals coming into it. 
And now, you know, you've got so many people from radio trying to get into podcasting now that now those radio people are starting to come into it. And so, you know, it's something that we consciously, uh, I don't want to say struggle with, but we're consciously aware of and, and keep as a part of our planning. Um, and, you know, you might, I don't know, you might see a kind of evolving podcast movement in terms of maybe more defined tracks or different ticket types mm. um, for these different types of people. But what, we, what we've always said is we're a conference for the podcast industry, the podcast ecosystem. So anyone on our side of the equation, so not the listeners, we're not trying to be a festival. There's yeah. great festivals out there. But anybody on the creator side of things, whether you're a support for creators or a creator yourself, that's who podcast movement's for. And if other people you know, like your radio people want to come to it, that's fine. But we're not going to them. We're doing what we do. And if they're supportive or they want to get in on this, then they're coming to us. So, I mean, I think as long as we continue to stay that approach and try to stay on, you know, the, the creator side of the equation, we can at least for a while kind of keep keep that core purpose of podcast movement together. Yeah, 2016 was interesting. Uh, was it 16 or 15? It was uh, Leah Tao. Uh, she was, that was uh, 15. It was interesting because it was the first time that uh, fans were showing up, and they're like, "Do you have a podcast?" No, I just came because Leah Tao's here, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, like some of the fans are actually starting to show up. Yeah, and I think that's that that happened a lot uh, that year because of Sarah Koenig and Mark Marin as well. Yeah, um, and it happened last year with Kevin Smith, and this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got a couple really awesome uh, final keynotes uh, that we're we're hoping to pull together, and I think that could happen with that too. I mean, it's funny when we're talking because some of these, and it's something I never wanted to do, but we're having to deal with agents now. Um, oh, wow. And we did, you know, dating back to people like Sarah Koenig and Mark Marin. It's part of it. These people have agents and they're required contractually to, you know, book out uh, speaking engagements with these agents. But but trying to explain to these agents, you know, because they say, oh, this person's already doing a, or, or also does shows in Los Angeles, for instance. So your event, they would have to be doing that instead of a show in Los Angeles. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is not a fan event. Like, yeah. like, like they're going to join this creators conference and speak to these creators. And certainly there's crossover. Certainly there's fans amongst the creators, but like, don't price us like we're a competing performance, uh, okay. like at this 2000 seat theater, like we're a 2000 seat ballroom in a hotel. And, and this person that we're negotiating about is speaking. They're one of a hundred speakers, right? Yeah. They're not the ones that everyone so so it's just it's a it's it's difficult with these agents because it's just new for them. Like Mark Marin is a performer, so why would he be giving any kind of lecture? You know what I mean? So it's like it's just not a part of their normal kind of way of thinking, and it's it's interesting to work with some of these agents and kind of mold their thoughts around around it all. It's a fascinating time. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing time to be in podcasting. I mean, I'm I'm sure you know kudos to everyone who's paved the way for us to be here now. But just with everything that's happening, it's just. So exciting, and I mean, I'm sure you'll you'd agree as well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun, and we have a blast, and there's certainly a lot of sleepless nights just making it happen. But um, yeah, like I said, we we don't take it for granted, and we we stumbled backwards into into kind of owning this conference space and being um, players in it at least, and uh, you know, we we bust our butts to to keep it you know as good and as fresh and as new, and hopefully as successful as it has been. So just in wrapping up, like as you think about you know maybe too early in your career to ask this question but as you think about your life's legacy and 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 things that you wanted to accomplish and, and i'm sure you've got a bunch of things checked off but like where does like where you're at in your life like fit in in terms of that 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 big picture oh man there's no there's no telling <laughs> i i can't even begin to answer that you know i'm certainly someone that being an accountant like i said i plan out i, I put you know put things on paper but at the same time being in this evolving space and kind of being able to running your own thing being able to pivot on a dime if you want to. I also take, take things day by day. So, um, 
you know, I've got the, certainly got those kind of long term goals, and that's you know whatever you call it, the ten thousand foot view. Yeah. But it's just uh, it's it's too hard to verbalize. Well, we'll have to check back in in ten years and uh, see what the answer. Yeah. The answer no, is. If, if if we're both doing this and able to have this conversation, then then I think that would mean we're both doing things right at that point. That would be a fun conversation. Well, Dan, this has been uh, everything that I hoped it would be, and I'm sure uh, because we're podcast nerds, I mean, this could be a, easily be a three-hour conversation, and so uh, I'm excited to uh, at least wave hi to you in the hallways of Podcast Movement, because I know you'll be totally swamped. I'll tell you what, I I I mentioned this earlier, but this year, my goal, we've we've hired some help, and okay. we, we're, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, my, my arm's length, I'm starting to let it in a little bit and bring yeah. on some people. That can help it, um, you know, become a more successful event. I think by allowing others into it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so hopefully I have a little bit more time to actually stop and, and say hi to people at least instead of away from a distance. Yeah, celebrate the wins, like I say. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I think it, you know, it was a long time coming, and we had a couple of, uh, you know, attempts earlier, and you know, going back a year or two. So, but I think everything in its right time, and it, I'm glad that we had the conversation we were supposed to, we were meant to have at this moment in time. Uh, yeah, it was meant to be, Harry. I appreciate that. So, uh, you are available on danfranks.me. Is that the best place for folks to track you down and connect with you? Yeah, or what I, I what I say is, and I'm I'm guilty uh, of not of of not again the arm's length thing, but all the contact forms and emails at podcast movement currently go to me as well. So, um, I'm not hard to get a hold of. Okay. Well, thanks again, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. All right, thanks. Long overdue conversation with my buddy, Dan Franks. As you heard, it's just been amazing because I I probably don't think I knew about Dan until I saw the the Kickstarter, and I was so excited. I just started podcasting. We were at the same conference. It's so funny that we were at the same conference and motivated because we were both at NMX in 2014. So I wonder how many other podcasters started there and were motivated. I know my friend Chris Cerrone uh, did as well. And it's just an interesting journey. And it's been fascinating to see what's happened over the past three years. And and we got a little bit of a a time capsule with uh, Dan talking about the origins of podcast movement. It's so big now. It's 1,600 people, going to be 2,000 people in Anaheim. Bananas, bananas, bananas. Um, I'm really honored that he got to share his story. He's doing such great things. And, um, you know, they say that couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. And Dan is the the real deal. Um, I'm happy to call him a friend. And I'm glad to see that he's opening up his arms, like he said, and just letting more people into his circle. Um, I know that's not an easy thing to do for people that are naturally an introvert, but uh, I'm glad that that's where he's headed. So thanks to Dan for that great conversation. It's always nice to hear the backstory of, of events like this, especially ones that you follow along with and you participate in. And for podcasters, there's really no bigger event than podcast movement. So again, if you haven't bought your ticket, podcastjunkies.com slash podcast movement, you get 10% off your ticket. I would love to see you there. If you do purchase it or if you are going, please let me know. I'd love to see if I can get a meetup going. I always try every year, but there's so many moving parts that I never, I'm never able to pull it off. But I think this year, um, with enough planning, we can at least pick a spot somewhere in the conference center and at least get together for a, a group picture. Um, I always get a picture with my previous guest as well, so be on the lookout for that. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Podbean, at podbean.com slash podcastjunkies. And remember, if you do set up an account with them and get started, reach out to me and get your free half hour of coaching on anything podcasting related. Tune in next week when I have a conversation with Jay Soderberg, 
aka Podvader, aka he of Blog Talk Radio. We've exchanged emails and had one-off conversations in the past, but uh, through Ramona Rice, <laughs> Jay reached out to me on Facebook, and obviously, it's just one of those names that I, I knew I needed to have on the show, um, but the timing worked out well, and uh, we were able to connect, and, and within a week, we had it, the conversation booked. So he's a really entertaining guy, and I always appreciate the fact that I can have hour-long conversations with really uh, well-known people in the podcasting world. And if you don't know who he is, um, stay tuned for that episode. It's going to be 135. This week's retention hashtag is podcast Dan, all one word. Be sure to tag Dan at DM Franks at D's and David, M as in Mary, Franks. And as always, podcast underscore junkies to let us know you made it this far. Don't forget, you can find full show notes for this one at podcastjunkies.com slash 134. And as always, uh, if you've already supported the show, much, much appreciated. And if you haven't, a rating and a review is always nice. Um, it's good to see those build up uh, on the site. And I always am always appreciative because it helps new listeners um, look at the show and, and really see what it's about. Sometimes the description is enough to get them engaged. Uh, and if you are at a party and you, someone has a podcast and you want to recommend something, then if you want to recommend podcast junkies, I would also be appreciate, appreciative. That's the word, right? Yes. Okay. Thanks guys. And I hope you had a great week, holiday week, and I hope you have um, a fun week uh, and safe week as well. And uh, we'll talk soon.